This is Lindsay Swoboda, and you're listening to the Choosing Brave podcast. Dreams change. What happens next? May these stories and honest conversations shed light on times where we feel uncertain and explore what it means to show up to our lives and choose brave. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Lindsay Swoboda, and I want to welcome you to this very special edition of the Choosing Brave podcast. This episode is called Write Like a Mother Reflections on COVID-19, and I'm very excited to introduce you to 15 very special mother writers that hail from all over. Some of the places in particular are Georgia, Minnesota, Illinois, New York, California, Alaska, Hawaii, and even Spain. All of these mothers took time to share their words on how their family has been doing, how they have been doing, and what quarantine and COVID-19 has looked like for them. This episode in particular, it's very important that if you want to find these writers and connect with them, you can go to upliftinganchor.com to access all of the show notes. Um, I've tagged as many of the authors as I can on Instagram as well um, in that shared post for this episode. It's very special and I want to give a shout out to the Exhale Creative Community that believes in encouraging mothers to continue to pursue creative work. Many of these writers came from that group and I am honored to call them friends. I hope that you guys enjoy this and I hope that you understand how hard it is to be vulnerable with our words, but as writers and artists, it's been a time also to capture, capture what we notice and what we see. My hope is that this episode will feel like a little mini audiobook of these particular mother's experiences during this time. And I have included a musical interlude as I introduce each writer. This is meant to serve as an auditory bookmark for you between writers and their pieces. Well, without further ado, welcome to this, again, this very special episode, Write Like a Mother, Reflections on COVID-19. We're going to kick this off with the following quote by Joan Didion. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. Tamar Rachel Mekradesian resides in the Los Angeles area with her husband, daughter, and son. Writing helps her look at the world closely and understand her place in it as a woman, wife, and mother. Her work also appears at Mothers Always Write and Literary Mama. You can find her on Instagram at Tamar Rachel Writes. I wake before the sun does, before the kids' eyes flap open and look at the world anew in wonder, and I greet the day with my words. We are in quarantine, and it's starting to get to me. The lack of control, not knowing what our future holds, staying still. But right now, in this moment, I come to a magical realization. I can leave any time I want. I'm a storyteller. With words, I can go anywhere. I can venture deep into forests, sit at a quaint cafe in Italy, or stand at the white tips of the ocean. So I wake early, and I go and I stay there as long as I want. Mackenzie traded her lesson planning for library story time and sensory bins. After being a high school English teacher for six years, she's trying to find her own voice one Instagram post at a time. So yeah, aside from being a stay-at-home mom in her 30s, it's basically like she never left her old job. You can find her at Mostly Motherhood on Instagram. To move forward, we collectively took a step back. Left grasping for direction and a sense of normalcy, 
we looked to simpler times as a compass. We focused our energies not only on feeding incessantly hungry mouths, but also sourdough starters. We became bakers. We tended seedlings and anxiously watched for sprouts. Longing to see growth, we held onto a promise of hope for the future. We became gardeners. Some people clapped to show support while others made signs and rode in parades. And we all watched through hashtags, TikToks, and tweets. We became encouragers. In the silence of prayer, we listened above the noise and pointed others towards selflessness and sacrifice. We became activists. We managed the mundane through sensory bins, science experiments, and virtual sightseeing. We became teachers. Day after nameless day, we each just tried to do the next thing, take the next walk or tend to the next load of unfolded laundry. And somehow, from our separate squares, despite the distance and despair, we remained connected. The next two essays are from Lauren. And Lauren is a mother of three, a military spouse, a pediatric nurse, and a lover of words. She lives in Georgia with her family. You can find her at Instagram, at Lauren Lemons, and her website is laurenlemons.com. Essay 1. It's the last day of school. Originally, the year was supposed to end in a couple of weeks, but between government shutdowns and learning from home, the district decided to shorten the year a little, with an earlier start for the next school year. In a way, I'm relieved. No more sitting next to my son as he types responses to YouTube videos of Geraldine the giraffe with his two index fingers. No more trying to manage my younger two kids' desire to play with my first grader's intolerance of distraction. We're free to go for a hike in the morning or read stories for an hour or do a learning activity that I'm still ambitious enough to think I'll attempt a few times a week. But I'm also sad. His teacher came over to drop off a treat and say goodbye on the porch today, and I wanted to cry. She's been perfect for my sensitive, stressed-out kid. Just hearing her talk about reading his cues and giving him space in various conferences has brought tears to my eyes when I think about previous teachers who've tried to guide him into the mold. As I brought him a bowl of popcorn for his end-of-the-year Zoom party, I heard his teacher ask, Who wants coronavirus to go away? As all the kids raised their hands, me, me, Caleb said before closing the door in my face, drawing the line between school and home that has been blurrier and blurrier this spring. Sometimes it takes my breath to think of the small things this pandemic has stolen, the recesses with friends, the mentorship from a loving teacher, the security of undisrupted routines. I wonder what my kids will remember. Will Caleb tell his own children about the school year ended early? When his teacher came to his house with a bucket of treats and he went to school on an iPad? Or will things like this become commonplace? I don't know, but I'm grateful for the year he did have, even though it was truncated. My prayers tonight are of gratitude for the teacher he had and prayers for the one who comes next. Essay 2 Today was a bad day. Most of the time, when people ask me how I'm handling quarantine, I can say with honesty, it's not so bad. My first grader has adjusted well to his online assignments and is motivated to complete them quickly each day. My younger two have enjoyed having their brother home and the extra time to play together. As an introvert, I can appreciate the lack of draining errands and extracurriculars, the extra time to read and create. I think there will be good memories from this time. I think there will be things that I miss from this time. But today, the bad stands out. 
The children fight incessantly over one Lego figure. We have, I don't know, 100? The ability to escape the people in my house for more than a few minutes. The mess on the floor, the crumbs on the couch, the pile of broken and ripped things on the counter that I need to fix or throw away but can't muster the energy. The number on the scale and the knowledge that yes, I did choose to make the lemon ricotta pound cake and yes, I did eat more than I should have and yes, it's my fault that the scale number never decreases. We're all in a fugue state, chasing the same melodies day after day, sometimes in counterpoint with the people in our homes, sometimes hitting discordant notes. I'm getting tired of this song. I'd like a new one. I'm sitting in my office with a candle burning and my journal out, and I know I will write words of complaint. There won't be any family stories in five decades with my grandchildren marveling at how gracefully I endured hardship at this moment in history. There's not much for me to do in the way of heroism anyway. No grandiose sacrifice I have to give. Simply the days chasing each other, looking for a little spark that will differentiate it from the one before. Some mark of the seasons to remind me I'm not caught in an eternal loop. But tomorrow I will get up and try again. I will try to have enthusiasm for my children and positive words for my husband. I will try to see the diamonds in the unpolished stones at my feet and the beauty in the fugue. Molly Flinkman lives in central Iowa with her husband and their four kids. She spends most of her days wrangling said kids, perfecting her side braid, and observing every piece of beauty she can in the ordinariness of her life. You can connect with her on her website, mollyflinkman.com, or on Instagram, at molly underscore flinkman. This piece honors Molly's family's experience. Her husband is an emergency medicine doctor. I'm sure it didn't feel romantic, carrying that paint roller extension pole into the three seasons porch. But when you stretch it into the living room so you could play checkers with me, you reminded me that loving you is my favorite thing. A few days later, you pulled out a pack of dry erase markers, which aren't very exciting unless you're one, three, five, or six, and drawing on the glass door with dad. You are present, no matter the obstacle. We are better for it. And then there is your time. You come all day when you can, even though to be here is to feel isolated, separate, stationary. You do this for me. I know. I see it. Thank you, because I don't say it enough. Six feet seems far away, but, and this is a strange thing to say, you feel closer. The way I feel about you is a tangible and an intangible time. Still, come home soon. I want to play checkers with you on the same side of the glass. Michelle Windsor is a 30-something working mama of two boys, lover of strong coffee, cheap red wine, and good words, full-time thinker, part-time writer. You can find her on Instagram at Michelle V. Windsor. Before reading this essay, we would like you to picture two little pairs of black and white tennis shoes. These shoes have been through a lot in the last six weeks. They've been stretched out from being put on and taken off multiple times a day in search of adventure. Their soles have been worn thin by miles of walks on familiar streets and miles more of exploring new ones. 
Their toes have been scuffed up from climbing trees and riding bikes. They've run laps round the house and hunted for lizards in the bushes. They've been covered in sand from the bay and drenched by freshly watered grass. They've tracked in mud and leaves and other evidence of the places they've been. They might make it through the summer, and then normally I would toss them. They've served their purpose and have nothing left to give. But I think I might keep them. These shoes that carried my boys through a pandemic, a quarantine, and endless days in the sun. Rachel Nevergall lives with her college sweetheart and three children in Minneapolis. She is the curator of family adventures, builder of epic train tracks, lover of all the library books, and writer in the in-between. She shares her stories as a regular contributor at Twin Cities Mom Collective, other publications, and on her personal blog, rachelnevergall.com. You can connect with her on Instagram at rachelnevergall. The knife swipes across the bread, crackle of toasted grains like a snow shovel on the sidewalk. Salted butter melts and glistens, but that's not the best part. It's the jelly I'm excited about. I dig for the jar with the label in my mom's familiar handwriting, the one I recognize from permission slips and recipe cards, birthday notes and care packages, grocery lists and chore requests. Raspberry, August 2019. I dip the knife in and create swirls. This simple motion lifts smells of summer sun, itchy grass, wild bushes speckled crimson with fruit, kids rolling down the hill and running off with grandpa to collect the morning harvest. It's a smell that invites and delights until it haunts and taunts. Will we touch summer again? Will we hear it, see it, smell it, taste it? My mind tells me, of course we will. Summer isn't canceled, but my heart tells me it might be different. I look at the jar, half full, or is it half empty? I freeze. This is the last jar in the freezer. What happens when it is gone? Should I ask my mom to meet me somewhere in rural Wisconsin, take the five-hour drive round trip, reach my hand through the window to retrieve the contraband? No, that doesn't sound wise. Maybe I should ration it, dole out the drops, one at a time. One for PBJ for you this week. Sorry, just butter for your toast today. But what is a nutty slice of bread without the fresh taste of summer? I scoop the knife into the jar, this time as a spoon. I dollop a more than necessary amount, cover the slice in the sweet juice. There is more than enough here for this breakfast. Abundance tastes like hope a delicious act of defiance, as I take a bite and savor it. Erin Stribus is a Chicago-based writer and editor who loves connecting with other moms through storytelling. As the mama of one strong-willed preschooler, she believes the secret to motherhood is leaning into grace. She is an editor for Living Lutheran Magazine and frequent contributor to The Every Mom. You can read more of her stories on Instagram at Erin Stry or her blog, erinstry.com. What flowers know. It snowed again last Wednesday. Big, wet clumps floated down, blanketing our hellebores. Their full fuchsia faces turned up to clouds as if to say, go ahead, test us. 
Has it always snowed this much in April? I asked Jay, glancing out the window, not waiting for an answer. Seems like it's snowing more than usual. Jay looked up from his Excel spreadsheet. Daily, he's been keeping track of the number of COVID-19 cases in Illinois, his means of coping, and shook his head. It always snows in April, babe. Yes, I know, but I don't remember this much, I remarked, turning to protest. But Jay was already back in Excel, consumed by the numbers. The only thing I was tracking as of late was the view from our bay window. Our flower beds, now decked in snow, the emptiness of the street, new buds poking out from our tree. So consumed was I with my busy life last spring I never stopped to notice the tree's buds gentle unfurling. I was noticing my son more, too. He's three, an age marked by darling utterances. You are my best friend, Mommy! And searing attitude. Mommy, you are being too loud! What a privilege to know the minutiae of his days, to see each breakthrough and breakdown, to watch him grow in slow motion. This is what I remind myself when my anger bubbles over. The federal money's out and Jay's small business loan application hasn't been approved. People have been acting careless. Not enough has been done to protect frontline workers. There's the widespread death and job loss, feeling helpless. Jay's spreadsheet suggests we're beginning to bend the curve, yet I wonder how long will this season last? And how can I taste sweetness alongside so much bitterness? I consider the view from my window. The hellebores are a hardy perennial, no stranger to spring in the windy city. I know how to face the winds of change, too. You root down, trust that light will return, and keep blooming. This is your host, Lindsay Swoboda. I am a writer, creative, encourager, maker, military spouse, and mom. My work has been featured in Legacy Magazine, Next Gen Mill Spouse, Coffee and Crumbs, and Military Spouse Magazine. When I'm not writing, I'm either at my sewing machine or reading. I've lived and traveled all over the world, but I believe there's always more to experience. You can connect with me at Uplifting Anchor on all your favorite places on the internet. Who will we be during this time? In October 2019, our family found ourselves in the middle of a crisis in Ecuador over fuel subsidies. The roads were shut down. The groceries were wiped from shelves. The fuel at gas stations ran out. We had to stay inside, in our homes, for weeks. We played games. We snuggled with books. I held my husband tightly to me when he could be home. School was canceled. I wrapped my daughter tightly in a blanket as I checked our go bag in case we truly needed to go. Tires were set on fire. The hill next to our friend's housing went up in flames. She called me and her family came to our home for refuge. We laughed together. We prayed. We made meals and watched movies. We made a merry unbirthday cake for all the kids. We had, dare I say it, we had fun and made memories regardless of the heaviness surrounding us. Life. It persevered. When the flurry was over, our adrenaline was still peaked for weeks. But as my husband and I sat together in a quieter time, we talked about how we were glad we were who we thought we would be in time of crisis. Patient, kind, loving, calm, and managing the anxiety but not hiding it, but by breathing throughout the day, putting on yoga videos, dancing in the living room, pausing to let the sunshine hit our faces, 
making a long dinner that flickered in candlelight, reading delicious books out loud. Now we sit on this new trial, this virus, and I will not fear monger. Instead, I am pulled back to those days in our home in Ecuador. And yes, I am aware this is a pandemic and not a protest, but I am holding on to the good times that presented themselves and the ones we created from a thin air of hope. We slowed it all down and learned to take it not even a day, but a moment at a time. Life, it perseveres. Love, it can break through our fear. Who will we be? Cecilia Jones is a writer, a mama, and audio editor for Kindred Mom. God has changed each goal Cecilia has ever had, chiefly those concerning her relationships and writing. If it is part of her life, she wants it to please him. Self-taught in many ways, she is always looking to make connections and find ways to improve her brain, her blog, and her brood, ages 2 to 13 years. As a mama to both teens and toddlers, Cecilia is passionate about instilling deep, identity-forming truths in her children. You can find some of her musings on her blog at jjonesmomagram.com slash wordpress and on Instagram at jacelia underscore jones. I say I'm a pinball, and I'm glad the machine belongs to God. I can look back and see that when I started dreaming about things and feeling an urgency to take certain steps, it was God preparing me, gently nudging me into position for what was to come. I remember being on the phone with my husband in the kitchen having one of our tense micro-discussions, the kind where I needed to fit in a full day of feelings, thoughts, and questions into a few minutes. We had many things over which we needed to come into agreement, while his attention was divided between me and his computer screen, fielding pings, replies, updating code, and a meeting he just got out of, and the one about to begin. I was heated, not just frustrated. I could feel it in my skin. Maybe my meetings never took place in real pants or conference rooms, but my bun and I fielded the emotional pings of kids bullied mercilessly at school. I needed to be ready with replies when my kids told me about the uncensored TV some of their teachers allowed them to watch and some of the language they were allowed to use. I felt a desperate sense of urgency to bring them home from that environment. Why do you trust the school and not me? I asked him. God knows I can do it. He has equipped me. My friends kept saying this to me. It was hard to believe any of it when my own husband, the person God made to be one with me, was nervous about my ability to educate our children. I trust you, he said, and then he called me a pet name, salt in the wound of his doubt. I just think they're doing well. It would be weird to pull them in the middle of the year, he said. Why don't we just allot some time on the weekend to see if it even makes sense for us? I felt patronized because I like to have my way on a shorter timeline. Public school got eight hours a day for months to prove itself. I was allowed only a few hours a week, but God opened my heart to see I could throw my complaining mentality away and choose a better mindset from the shelf. I could use the opportunity he'd offered, teaching them on the weekends, to organize myself, familiarize myself with the materials, and set up a lesson plan. If I hadn't taken those steps months ago, I'd be totally overwhelmed by what's happening right now. If I hadn't prayed while I couldn't see the thing I wanted or the way to get to it, I wouldn't have been ready when God gave me the answer to my prayer. For my own reasons, I gathered homeschool materials and tried to convince my husband that my new education agenda can work. 
I was talking with a neighbor recently and she surprised me by saying that she'd been doing the same thing for her own reasons. She has a son with special needs and her only hesitation is not a skeptical partner, it's the very necessary services that public school has always provided. Weeks into the shelter-in-place mandate, different mama bears have reached out to me saying, I think it's important for our kids to see us going about our normal routines as much as possible during this time. It teaches them that we still have to keep living. Insert prayer and heart emojis. They aren't alone. Another said, I feel like I'm dreaming all of this. It's pretty scary. All I've been doing is praying. Prayer emoji. I italicized her words to emphasize what stood out to me. Fear. And in one case, the way it's making her search for God as COVID reigns in our minds. We aren't alone. The isolation has revealed my arrogant belief that I was holding my life together. From inside the snow globe with my face pressed against the glass, I wondered, will regular life begin again? Then I read this declaration by Bishop Jakes. This is a great time to pray, plan, and prepare. Many people are just waiting for normal to return, but disruptions come to liberate you from what was and to prepare you for what's next. I realized there are other wise ways to view these current events. Although I hadn't seen it this way at first, my husband's heart has opened and given me an opportunity to walk out the homeschool vision I'd been imagining. Watching my kids build the robots my successful homeschool friends recommended, I know God was preparing me. Carla Philibeck is a wife, mother, and writer living in Kailua, Hawaii. She holds a bachelor's degree in family resources and a master's degree in urban and regional planning. Carla worked in public health for eight years before deciding to stay home to mother and to write. She shares her writing life, favorite books, hiking adventures, and love for craft dark chocolate on Instagram at Carla Philibeck Writes. Her poem is called A Gift to Remember. As the virus spreads, we shelter in place, rarely leaving home, a mask on our face. Three weeks become four, then five, and then six. This could last for months, years, experts predict. Will she remember coffee shop lunch dates, silly selfies while enduring long waits? Will she remember riding in the cart, strangers smiling, saying, my, what a sweetheart? Will she remember the wind as she swings, the thrill of a slide, her favorite things. Will she remember each storytime song, choosing new books, or has it been too long? Will she remember what it means to share or hug her best friend? They were quite a pair. There are many things we miss and we mourn, and yet we press on, new normal is born. With a snack in hand, we go for a walk. We look for puppies and pick up big rocks. Social distancing feels a bit bizarre. We see a few friends and wave from afar. Cupcakes and goodies are left by our door. We play ding-dong ditch like never before. Virtual playdates on Zoom are a zoo. Ten moms, ten toddlers. Wow, he really grew. But wait, how are you? Did you hear her moo? I'm struggling. You too? We order takeout and eat in our car the most exciting thing all week by far. Another day ends with not much to show. How long will this last? We really don't know. I sense something there, deep within my heart, gracious perspective, a chance to restart. 
Will you remember? A question for me. This lesson's a gift. Slow down. Wait and see. Kimberly Knowles-Eller is an ordained ELCA pastor, mother of two, and spouse of an ELCA pastor. She lives with her family in Cole Camp, Missouri. You can read more at her website, KimberlyKnowlesEller.com, and sign up for her monthly newsletter or follow her work on Facebook, Kimberly Knowles-Eller, Writer. I keep wondering, how did we get here? I keep lamenting we shouldn't be here, sheltered in our homes, afraid to touch friends and family, sleep-deprived, missing school, friends, graduations, canceling plans, afraid to make new plans, grieving loved ones from afar, uncertain when we'll re-emerge, and who will we be, worried we won't have changed at all. I keep wondering, how did we get here? I keep lamenting we shouldn't be here. But then I see something, growing where it shouldn't, catching my eyes, a piece of bark and a brilliant flower. I keep believing we will grow in surprising places, in surprising ways. Rosalie is wife to Chris and mom to Susanna and Austin. Born and raised in the Pacific Northwest by her grandparents, she was exposed to diverse cultural experiences that prepared her for life abroad. Before moving to Spain to support church plants, she worked in communications for a big software company and small nonprofits. Today, Rosalie contributes to Taking Route Blog and sells fair trade goods through Trades of Hope. You can connect with Rosalie at theduryeast.com and at Mrs. Duryi on Instagram. Her fair trade business can be found on Instagram at Trades of Esperanza. Distance has always made my heart grow fonder as a mother. Thanks to high numbers of cases of COVID-19 in our Spanish province, we have the strictest social distancing laws in the world. So my family of four has been quarantined together in our small flat for two months and at least one more ahead. One adult can leave at a time for grocery shopping and children can be taken outside for an hour each day. In this season of no separation, no distance, there have been desperate days where I felt I was losing love for my own children. I cannot wait for them to go to bed. Even the goodnight kiss feels like another thing I have to do for them. I mother with hands and words, but like a shadow of the postpartum depression I experienced with my daughter, the joy is missing. It's there in my mind, reminding me that this time together is a blessing we'll never get back. Children spell love, T-I-M-E, my late pastor used to say. Does that mean we should want to spend all our time with them? I partner with teachers at our local missionary kids' school to complete distance learning from home. I always wanted to homeschool, and I grieved that loss as a sacrifice of going to a mission field where homeschooling is illegal. Lessons at the kitchen table each morning are an unexpected gift of a worldwide pandemic that I don't take for granted. So I am thankful, and I carpe diem with fun activities, good books, spiritual lessons, and dance parties. I try to create some distance with screen time in separate rooms, but no one can leave. It's the leaving that makes the coming home again so special, isn't it? I remember how other moms told me they miss their sleeping baby in the next room. I wasn't like that. Am I broken? Of course, now I miss those sleeping babies, eight and six years, and the lifetime that is 2020 later, 
but at the time they were right there, waking up before I finished my coffee. I missed my babies when I went out for sushi with their dad, when I left them crying in the nursery at church, and when we dropped them off for an overnight with grandma and grandpa. In quarantine, those things and a thousand more half hours away for piano practice or football or a coffee date with a friend are canceled, and I don't ever miss my children, which feels like maybe I don't love them. Feelings aren't facts, however, and love is not canceled. On my birthday in quarantine, my son calls me the queen, and my husband makes all the meals and the children delight in me. They dress up for my special day, clap when I open their precious handmade gifts, and they even seem to listen better. The day is not much different from any of our days since March, but it has a special glow. The day after my birthday, when the glow has faded and I'm responsible again, I wake up to my son climbing into my bed. I smile because he can't quit his cheetah costume even in the summer temps, and I feel the familiar jump in my heart, the way it felt when I looked at them the day they were born, and all the days after, even when I carried that dark cloud everywhere and didn't know what it was. The day gets stranger than having a cheetah for a son when I joyfully help my daughter rescue a tiny box from the recycling bin on the street. I let her hang inside the cardboard dumpster because she wanted to keep it for her treasures, but Daddy threw it away. But also because I love her, I understand. I explain to my husband what it's like to be an eight-year-old girl and need all the tiny boxes, and I feel it again. The tenderness towards them, even though they're literally always around. It must be love. I love them. Oh, how I love them. I'm not a broken mother. I just need some space. Well, maybe next month. Until then, I will choose love over and over in spite of my fleeting, changing feelings. And I trust that love will find its way in there too. Robin Chapman is a part-time birth photographer and a full-time imperfect mama, wife, and Jesus follower. She's trying hard to learn how to do this motherhood thing in a way that doesn't land the whole family in intensive therapy, and she has a heart for helping other mamas buried in the little years with hope, humor, and solidarity. You can find her hiding out in the bathroom with an almond milk iced dirty chai, writing and editing and making spreadsheets for kindredmom.com, or online looking for grace in her mundane and weird life on her blog, Instagram, or Facebook. She lives in Fairbanks, Alaska, with her four crazy, delightful kids, some homeschooled, some public schooled, some too young for school at all, and Andrew, her ridiculously good-looking husband. A Liturgy for the Quarantine Mother Our Father, in the face of the trials in this world now, my struggles seem insignificant to me, but not to you. If you attend to sparrows and lilies, you certainly attend to my needs and discomforts. There are children everywhere, O Lord, and I thank you for them, but also my mind is overwhelmed with the constant presence of other people in spaces and moments I have considered my own. I am unable to manage my life while holding the constant noise of my home, the constant needs of my people, anxiety for the world, my state, my town, and people I love who are vulnerable or unable to stay home. I cannot function while holding my worries for the economy, my frustration with government, my dwindling supplies of toilet paper. It is too much. Teach me not to try to hold more than is mine to carry. Teach me to look to the needs in front of me. 
Grant that I might do for one what I wish I could do for all. And when I give to you what I cannot hold, but still feel insufficient to meet the demands of my day, protect me from a complaining spirit. Grant me quiet moments that I might refresh my soul in you. Give me strength to match my day and enough grace to fill my lack. As I stay home, feeling helpless to aid those hurting around me, remind me to pray. I confess I have looked at the world and forgotten this resource, assuming the only way to help is to remain physically separated from the people around me. Forgive me for my failure to recall my access to the one who created all things, sleeping babies and tulips, coffee and chocolate, biology and chemistry, minds at work on solutions, and hands at work helping. You are the one who can make all things right, the one who will make all things right. I affirm that you are working for our good and your glory, even now, even here, even in this. Amen. The following three poems are from Megan Della Chase. Megan is a mother, wife, school librarian, and writer living in upstate New York. She has written for Green Child Magazine, the Thirsty's Cloth Diaper Parenting Blog, and her own slice of the internet, MegAxeOut.com. Megan recently completed the 30 Days of Haiku Challenge and is using this time to lean into creative endeavors, new and old. You can follow her on Instagram at MegAxeOut. Trees. We are a forest, like oaks that hold up the world, or wispy, like birch. Hope that necessity comes from future memories and children's faces. Meditation on flowers. Awaken anew. Teach us all what to become. Happiness abounds. The colors and curves unapologetically taking their own time, revealing to us joy in truthful honesty and consistency. The necessity of a really good slumber in a still, dark place. Nature is there, still. It is the time to notice, for time is now less. And we now have more, of buds, of blooms, of pastels, to drink in and heal. Our final reading is from writer Jody Torristall. Jody is a Montana girl at heart living her dream life in New York City with her husband and two small children, who all love adventure as much as she does. Knowing Jesus, meeting new people, and enjoying good chocolate with an iced coffee are three of her favorite things. She writes about raising children in the city, learning from the thousands of encounters with people she gets there, growing through the discomfort of transition and seeing what God teaches her through it all at bigskytobigapple.com. You can also follow along on Instagram at Jody Torristall. Essay 1. Today the sun will rise. My kids will wake with rumbling bellies. They will have a choice of warm pancakes or a colorful smoothie or slow-cooked oatmeal to satisfy those hunger pangs. They will settle into stories that spill from the shelves of our cozy apartment. They will eat lunch off colorful plates with glasses full of milk at the ready. They will make each other laugh and they will likely make each other cry. They will snuggle and ask for forgiveness. They will run to the door when they hear the key turn telling them daddy's home after a day comforting his patients. 
They will ask what's for dinner 28 times, and they might even turn up their noses at what is offered. Our days may look different, but they hold these truths. This morning, I woke up with my heart aching for the children in this city, who can only hold to that first truth. Today, the sun will rise. Essay 2 There are a lot of things we have to say no to right now, so I decided early on that I would try to say yes to as much as possible. I braced myself for crazy requests and assumed I would regret my secret promise. But eight weeks in, and all I've learned is what I would have missed each time I forced myself to say yes when I wanted to say no. Question. Can we build a fort out of the couch cushions? It's 6 a.m. and I have only had one sip of coffee. Answer. Yes. If I would have said no, I wouldn't have overheard Nora teaching Connor to say, Roger that, Nora, as they worked together on their adobe house. Question. Can we have a picnic in the living room? Answer. Yes. If I would have said no, I would not have learned that vegetables taste better from a blanket on the floor and can, in fact, be eaten without negotiation. Question. Can we listen to kids, Bob? Answer. Deep breath. Forced smile. Yes. If I would have said no, I wouldn't have known that she learned to play another new song on piano and was giddy to show me as soon as it came on. Question. Can I tell you something? always when we have just agreed on 20 minutes of quiet time. Answer. Yes. If I would have said no, I wouldn't have learned that she knows how to say trash can in French. It's poubelle, if you're curious. Question. Will you do this coloring page with me? I want to make matching ones. Answer. Yes. And then almost backtracking, realizing I've just given up 30 golden minutes of time each day when she colors and Connor naps. If I would have said no, I wouldn't have had the memory of her saying, this is really going to pop, or ooh, I love that mom, or I'm so glad we decided to do this together, aren't you? Answer, yes. Hi listeners, it's your host Lindsay, and I want to thank you for joining us for this very special episode of the Choosing Brave podcast. I have to be honest, this is one of my favorite projects I've been able to pull together all year because hearing these mamas' voices and their take on what COVID-19, quarantine, and global pandemic has meant to them has given me a lot of hope. And there was one point in my life this year where I read a quote that said, hope is not a strategy. And that took me by surprise because I've always really been a believer in holding on to hope in dark times. And I'm not really sure how to unpack that quote yet, but what I know is I still believe in hope, and I really believe in hope through stories. One of the quotes I want to share with you as we leave today is one from Ben Oakry. He says, The fact of storytelling hints at a fundamental human unease, hints at human imperfection. Where there is perfection, there is no story to tell. What I hope you've heard in these micro-essays and stories and poems is that no one is doing it perfect, but everyone is holding out for hope and finding small glimpses of things to notice throughout their daily lives that are precious. Each minute, each hour, each day, as we continue to look into the unknown, our stories are still being written and we still have a choice 
and all of the new beginning, middles, and endings to those. I want to thank our mother writers that contributed to this episode and remind you that you can connect with all of them through the show notes at upliftinganchor.com, as well as connect with me on all your favorite places on the internet at Uplifting Anchor. Thank you to the writers, Tamar, Mackenzie, Lauren, Molly, Michelle, Rachel, Aaron, Jacelia, Carla, Kimberly, Rosalie, Robin, Megan, and Jody. Thank you for sharing your words, which are also pieces of your heart. Thank you listeners for being here. And please, if this episode impacted you or you feel like it would help spread some hope to a friend or family member you may know, please share it. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep choosing brave.